Hello, everyone. This is the History Brothers Podcast. I am Wyatt Martinson. And I am Andrew Roth. And today, so we were originally planning on talking about the War of 1812, but our guest speaker is sadly falling a little ill. But he's doing all right, so we'll eventually have him coming on here to discuss the War of 1812. But this episode, we will actually be discussing uh, what we're calling reboots versus reboots. We'll be discussing good reboots and bad reboots as well as up-and-coming reboots uh, that may or may not be good. We'll see. And I might actually want to add quickly, you might be wondering to yourself, where's the historical aspect in this? Well, let's just say the history of Hollywood. They have Reboots and remakes are rare thing back in the 30s to the 90s. And then currently in this 2010-2020s trend, we've had to a lot of reboots and remakes. So that's basically the big historical context that we could add to this as well, just to imply it how, because after all, the show is called History Brothers. So, yeah, but um, anyways, and here we go for what we got for the good, the bad and the ugly. So, yes, we're kind of overusing that phrase maybe, but honestly, it's perfect. So, yeah, right. If you think it's a cliche, well, deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Um, so I was going to discuss Planet of the Apes, the originals, the 2001 reboot with Tim Burton, and then the trilogy that came out in the 2010s, which I think are fantastic. But anyway, so the original... Uh, what was the actor's name? Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston <clears throat> stars as the main protagonist in the film. He and a bunch of space to, uh, Earth humans travel through space to find uh, another planet, you know, just search the galaxy, and they end up uh, beaming to this planet uh, that they don't aren't familiar with. And um, they all get captured by these intelligent apes who basically think and act like humans, and they're really surprised. And somehow during the capture, uh, Charlton Heston's character lost his voice temporarily. He couldn't speak. But, of course, but he kept all of his other, you know, capabilities as a human being. And he tried to write the apes a message, say, trying to say something. And after he, an attempted escape, he... Uh, and he got captured again, he finally was able to speak, and you hear the classic line, get your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. <laughs> Which is used in The Rise of the Planet of the Apes from 2011. So, just a little Easter egg for you there. But anyway, so that starts, like, the whole interesting rest of the plot of the film, where they try him, and, like, how can you speak, and everything. And he keeps telling him the same story, over and over again. And basically what ends up happening is, and this is a spoiler for the film, it's a really good twist, but I am spoiling it. Sorry, it's important for discussing the film. Um, the twist is that he and the other astronauts landed on Earth in the future, like a thousand plus years in the future, where humanity wiped itself out with a nuclear uh, war. And um, he fi figures this out because he uh, finds the Statue of Liberty just decaying and it's only the top half left. And um, uh, what that and then the, this sort of re gets the ape scientists to rethink all of their thinking. But that's kind of mostly what you need to know. It's a really good film. It's from 68. And when you look at the effects, especially the makeup... Like, it's really good. It really is really good. It, it, was, it was, I thought, pretty good. Then there were four other movies. 
um, which did not do as well, I think, box office-wise or ratings-wise. Basically, in so the first film is called Planet of the Apes. Second is Beneath the Planet of the Apes, where it same character, he explores the underground to see what's left of human civilization. He finds old concrete buildings in New York and an extremely intelligent race of human beings that have evolved to where they can inflict pain with their minds. Really weird, but whatever. And then um, basically what ends up happening is the those humans launch God, or what's really just a nuclear warhead, and they end up destroying Earth with the apes and all humans on it, which is a really depressing ending. Right. But then there is the third film, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, where the two scientist apes uh, escaped from the planet of the apes in the future in order to warn the humans in the past about what would happen so that the Earth wouldn't be destroyed again. So there's playing with time there. And then um, it uh, they don't really get the message to the humans, you know. they I know the plot ends with, I've seen the ending, they both die. They get shot by and killed by the humans. And um, the humans presume their child that they had is, their ape child is dead. However, they snuck it away to a zoo. And since it's an ape born from highly intelligent apes, it can speak to, and his name is Caesar. And um, fast forward several years in the fourth film, Caesar and other apes are, sla- are slaves to the humans. All intelligent apes are humans basically slaves but he leads an uprising uprising and uh that film is called conquest for the planet of the apes and he sets them free and then the fifth one that's battle for the planet of the apes i don't know how it ends and quite frankly i think people stop caring at that one after the fourth one maybe even the third one i don't know but that one was the big finale though of that film series oh it was yeah yeah battle Battle for the Planet of the Apes was the big conclusion. And yeah. my guess is it... I, I want to say it came out in the 80s, but I can't remember. I, I know the it started in 68 with the first film and then moved on. And yeah, and then Tim Burton tried to do a reboot of the Planet of the Apes with his own version. I've watched it. Uh, good portions of it. Uh, they do a good job with the makeup and hairstyling of the apes. It's actually pretty good especially looking like 40 years, no, 30, like three years back. But the film did not get a lot of positive reception. It stars Mark Wahlberg, um, but it didn't get a lot of positive reception. The ending was not as, it didn't have that same shock value that the original first one did. So that was pretty, it basically just ends with him returning to Earth and basically everyone on earth is an ape except him so yeah that twist didn't, just did not work and apparently abe lincoln was an ape too he went back in time and stuff like that but somehow some way the apes took over all the history or something i know it was really weird i'm like this makes no sense yeah. it, like literally makes no sense like the original planet of the apes had a way of it making sense like a really good logic to it that made you believe what happened was real in a in a fictional way but yeah in this film it just didn't work so fast forward 10 years 
and I think actually the fifth film came out 10 years before this one or a little more than that probably but anyway fast forward 10 years from 2001 to 2011 they decide to reboot Planet of the Apes again and of course not everyone was no one was expecting much and everyone knew they were going to do CGI apes so everyone's like oh great we're going to have bad CGI too probably thinking but Rise of the Planet of the Apes was actually highly praised basically the whole trilogy and it wasn't necessarily intended to be a trilogy. They were going to go further than that, but they haven't done a fourth film, so for now it's a trilogy. They basically detailed how the apes rose up and rebelled, how they fought with the humans and couldn't get along, and, you know, it ended with Caesar's, like, the war for Caesar's soul, as Andy Serkis put it, for the third film. But the first film, you find, you learn about Caesar's mother, how she was taken by poachers, um, she was given a drug. She ended up having her kid in the lab te- in the lab testing area that they took the chimps to. And Caesar was taken home by a human, the actor form being James Franco. And he kept testing Caesar's intellectual abilities because he was really smart from an early age. And he learned sign language. He learned a lot of things. But eventually, he go. He doesn't go crazy. He just defends his father. His father has... He defends uh, the main character's uh, father who has Alzheimer's. And um, uh, he was just defending him from another human being who seemed to be threatening him. Like, all he was doing was pushing and pointing at him. But, you know, apes see that as, like, a territorial threat or like a challenge so he went to defend him because he knew he couldn't defend himself being an old guy and having alzheimer's which leads to him getting put into an ape um zoo not a good one a pretty crummy one i might say and he was in a lab though or something like that originally he was in the lab but that was when he was a baby he was taken home yeah and then he was not treated well by the other apes. He was kind of seen as inferior because he was raised by humans and he wore pants when going in there. So the apes thought that was strange. And, um, but he, his smarts is what led him actually to take over the place. And he even used what was the new experimental drug to basically make all the apes intelligent. However, the drug had the reverse effect. Well, not exactly reverse effect. It didn't make the humans dumber. It just made them sick which you see hinted at in the end credits with a cu- end credits cut scene with um, uh, airplane pilot. He sneezes and there's blood on his hands or there's blood like coming out of his nose. And my gut. and um, basically that's what leads to the simian flu as it's called in the second and third film of this trilogy. And I got to say the CGI was really good. And um, it only got better from there uh, uh, plot-wise and storytelling-wise, as well as just depicting Caesar's, like, rise to a leader of the apes. I thought it was a really good sci-fi trilogy. I've seen everyone multiple times, especially War for the Planet of the Apes, just because I think that one's the best, because it's really all focused on Caesar and what happens when his... uh, when his wife and eldest son gets killed, spoilers, because that's what prompts him to go kill this colonel who was after him. Um, really, it's just they they do rework like the story and the plot a bit from the originals, 
but it works so well. And basically this trilogy just details how Caesar rose to power and uh, all that and how hit conflict escal- escalated with the humans. And I'll spoil the ending of war. It does end well for the apes, but Caesar dies from an injury and his best friend ape Maurice, you know, starts mourning his death. Then they all kind of turn back to look at him when he's on this like high pedestal laying there because they know he's dead or something's wrong. But the apes made safely into the desert where there was a huge lake, a lot of, tr- a lot of trees in that area. And um, basically, you could argue this is a prequel to the original movie, which it really does. Well, and so what were you going to say? No, you can go. Well, it is technically. Like, all right, I've never seen the movies myself because they honestly creeped me out a little bit. But um, the, from what I've researched on the apes, they literally... The trilogy itself is literally a set of the original five films. Now, of course, there might be some details edited from the original film. Obviously, right. they may have changed some things, but there's literally the trilogy itself is literally the setup to the original right. five movies. Right. Because they literally create the time paradox of time travel, like how Caesar was born in this trilogy, but then in the fourth, in the third movie, oh, the two yeah. come back in time, and then Caesar's born through that way instead of the way it was. Oh in the yeah. Original film. I don't. I don't buy that theory whatsoever. But whatever. How dare you? But. No, but um, what I mean by uh, how time, history was changed and stuff, it became. I I can see how it could connect to the originals, but I don't do that just because I think it's good in its own right. Plus, they were going, they were rebooting and revising it. They weren't trying to connect it necessarily with the originals, though it certainly could. Well, the thing is, it actually did and stuff too, because in the original movie, there's a there's even an Easter egg where they highlight. Well, it's not officially connected. I mean. Well, I would argue that personally, but like. Well, they've never said it's officially connected to the originals. But the thing is, it does though. They don't. It doesn't even have to be. It can, said. but it's they. <laughs> it has. It does have to be clarified if that's what they're doing. It's like with Star Wars canon. But it's still versus it's Legends. Like, at the same time, though, it's still part of the same film series. But like, even in the first movie of uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, from what I know, that I found out there was an Easter egg that highlighted the ship. That goes into space in the original film. Oh. The ship goes into space exactly at that same time in that movie, in the original film. Oh, they actually have an Easter egg where highlighting that same ship that Charlton Heston is in the first original Planet of the Apes movie. Okay, that goes into space. Well, that was to Mars. But but wasn't there like on the same mission? But then they get trapped into a wormhole or something like that, or whatever in the original. That sent them forward into the future. I. I mean, yes, that happened in the original film, but they, I don't know where they're, I honestly think they were just aiming for a, uh, discovering new planets, not really. Well, again, it could, like I said, it wouldn't be a complete concrete plot because of... Well, right, that's what I'm saying. It's not concrete, so it's but not it's still official. concrete enough to actually be connected. But anyways, before we get into this argument, me and my roommate are so famously known for. It, it's concrete enough to get connected, but I would rather it remain its own thing because of how good it is. Mm. Plus, I feel like people fell away after the second one. The second one wasn't a uh, second one of the originals. Second one of the originals was not bad. It just I think that's maybe when people began to lose interest. But I don't know because they made five films of it, so maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, uh, so where was I going with it? Um, reboots, sequels. Well, right, yeah. I mean, the trilogy. Oh yeah, I was gonna say. So they did have an idea for a fourth one where it's about Caesar's son Cornelius, the one surviving son, and they look at um, in the film they look at Caesar's legacy as leader of the apes. And I also like how in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, the second of the rebooted trilogy, they had gave him an opponent 
in Koba who all he had was hatred of humans whereas Caesar he he understood humans were bad but he mostly saw the best in them because he was raised by a good human so it was interesting to have that um, dynamic there in the second one. I really like that. That's what made it so dark and what made Koba's portrayal like really good. Mm-hmm. So that's Planet of the Apes for you. Um, what's a reboot that's bad? A reboot is bad is the is the Mummy movie starring Tom Cruise back in mid twenty tens. Yeah, mid twenty tens. I know what they were trying to do is do like a whole monster thing with like classic yeah. fiction characters, but it did not fly. No. So the original reboot that they ever did was in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, nineteen ninety nine. They had a reboot movie called The Mummy, and it was a based off the nineteen thirty nineteen thirties Mummy film starring um, oh gosh, what was his name? Oh, if I remember, I'll let you know. But the the original actor of the thirties. Yeah, oh. um, I'm surprised you would even know his name. He voiced the Grinch. Um, oh, really? Yes, uh, Boris Karloff. He was the original Mummy in the 30s. And the original Grinch? Yeah, and he voiced the Grinch in the 70s, yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah, or 60s. But um, um, anyways, were, it was based off of that original film and stuff, based on the original movie. However, in this reboot they did, they actually made it more of not only of a horror movie, but also an action-adventure film. Starring Brandon Frazier and... Uh, Rachel Wise, who you can actually see in Black Widow, which is really scary. Um, oh, yeah, true. I, I forgot about that connection. I'm like... I know, right? Oh. I know, right? But anyways, um, the movie itself centers around this legend about, a mo- about this priest named Imhotep, who, want- who is in love with uh, Pharaoh's wife. And basically, in the original film, and they are having an affair, the Pharaoh finds out about it, and they kill the Pharaoh. But in order to survive, but um, uh, with the guards coming after them, the, the wife decided to um, sacrifice herself in order for the priest to get away. Eventually, he gets caught, and he's wrapped up and suffers the most horrible death ever imaginable for being mummification. Obviously, it's not historically accurate, of course. But um, anyways, years later, um, he is an archaeologist scholar named uh, Evelyn discovers a map that could lead to the ancient tomb of Imhotep, and she hires this guy from, who's, uh, who used to be there who used to defend it, was hired as a mercenary. He's hired to help her go back and find it and also look at the treasures. Unbeknownst um, to them, what they discover is a treatment that un- unleashes the mummy himself and tries to shake over the world while also trying to conquer, um, uh, trying to win the, trying to capture Evelyn because he reminds her of the Pharaoh's wife or his lover. So then basically he's using her as a vessel to resurrect his dead, wa- dead girlfriend. It's a very much of an adve- action adventure film, but there are horrific elements. Leaving you some interesting biblical, biblical aspects, too, of the plagues, which is really fascinating. But anyways, um, the movie itself was a box office hit. The critical smash was, cr- was amazing, and the film itself was incredible. It's honestly one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, and it spawned two sequels as well as a spinoff movie, which honestly I would say is kind of a, a, tri- a hidden trilogy of sorts. Because um, the next movie that came out was The Mummy Returns. But before I go to that one, though, there's another movie, the spinoff movie that came out with after, which is called The Scorpion King, which is also The Rock's big debut with big movies and stuff. That movie did tell about this ancient king of Egypt, which apparently is loosely based on a real pharaoh. Oh. Um, he, uh, who basically learns to take over the, learns to create an ancient kingdom in Egypt. 
And that's basically how I sum that one up. But the reason why I'm putting that in between these two mummy movies is because it actually has a connection that makes it look like an actual trilogy of sorts. Because it also sets up, because apparently, minor spoilers, at the end a priestess kind of tells him that his kingdom won't last long and stuff, and, or in some like that, or a threat will rise or whatever. And he said, look, and basically, it kind of sets up what the mummy returns is, because in the mummy returns, well, obviously, the mummy returns, and what they do what? is what I know. Well, basically, what they do in this film is they they discover that it's the year of the scorpion, and which means that the scorpion king is supposed to re- return from the dead and try to take over the world as well. And one of the at least this is now it's been a while since I've seen this movie. I had to rewatch the plot completely. So if somebody does it wrong, please yell at me on the, on the comment section, okay? I just need to rewatch it again. That's about basic gist of it. And anyways, they're trying to stop them, and then in order that the uh, the re- descendant of the pharaoh's wife is actually alive, or at least a lookalike of her is alive, and um, decides to take decides to resurrect the mummy. And she does, and there's more lore and more spoiler territory that I could go into detail of, which is really well placed in this movie, which does an excellent job of that. But I don't want to spoil that because it's just too much fun. And um, basically, the the threat is trying to take down the mummy as well as this coming scorpion king that's trying to return. Again, played by Dwayne Johnson, which is was actually his biggest Hollywood break before since Scorpion King came afterwards. But anyways, the movie was not as huge a hit as the original. Uh, but it was still a huge hit regardless for Universal. The critics wise were not a fan too much. Granted, they were kind of mixing the original as well. But the but box office is pretty decent. And they came out with the third movie, which was really good as well. However, not as great as the original uh, made-up trilogy they had. Though it was really excellent with because the, they had Jet Li in it too and stuff. And it was like ancient China. It was so awesome. But um, uh, no, it, just, it kind of lost a little bit of its charm. Anyway, there was plans to do another Mummy film with Brandon Fraser and stuff. And there were plans to do it. However... Thanks to Marvel and the vast cinematic universe that was being created, Universal was like, you know what? I think we should create a, Mar- a, uni- a cinematic universe just like Marvel. And they just kicked the Mummy 4 out of the water and replaced it with their reboot. And what they wanted to do with this reboot is try to create their own monster universe with all the classic monsters, which honestly would have been a cool idea if the plot that they did for the Mummy was not so grotesque and so weird. Um... One thing, this one I won't mind spoiling. Because I never saw it myself, but I, I know the key aspects of it. So this one I won't mind spoiling. If you wanted to watch it, just fast forward this part. And we can talk about it later. But um, basically this movie, Tom Cruise is this guy who's helping this archaeologist move this mummy who was, who killed basically the pharaoh and stuff like that. And she's trying to take over or whatever. And uh, anyways, they try to... Um, uh, Anyways, they, have, they accidentally resurrect the mummy and stuff like that. And she has this all incredible power and stuff like that. And somehow she is connected to Tom Cruise's character. I forget how he gets connected or whatever. And slowly but surely, he becomes the new mummy. Don't ask me how. I have no idea. Why he's the new mummy, I have no idea. I feel like that's some getting me started on that. But um, and even in the midst of it, they try to create their own shield as well, their own organization to handle monsters. They literally had Russell Crowe play Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And... It's just I again I think the visual effects were just not good. I think the story plots were just too much elements stored into it, and it's just it was it bombed terribly at the box office. Killed any future plans they were planning on for monster movies. They even were planning on like an Invisible Man movie starring Johnny Depp and a Bride of Frankenstein movie starring Angelina Jolie and all these other films or whatever. But they was like, nope, these are gone. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, no, it was a terrible reboot, and it was just they were not capturing the same magic. I think also because it just went went more into the horror roots, and people were not really looking for that for the mummy, I guess, especially for the horror fans, which is interesting. Yeah, but from there, 
Nah, that was the mummy. But it's just it's very interesting how that one happened. Another bad reboot I would say would be now don't get me wrong about this, it's just it's just saying this. But it's um, um G.I. Joe and Transformers. So G.I. Joe, the original one. Wait, do you see any pitchforks? Okay, now we're good. Yeah. All right. Um, the G.I. Joe film was, was trying to create another franchise back in 2008. The thing was, the movie, though it was a hit in theaters, it was not that good of a movie. It literally was just like one of those movies where like there was no conflict, no like character development. It was like, you know, let's go do this. Oh, okay, let's go do that. Let's go over here. And like without any dealing with the concepts or anything like that and... Uh, it was it was good for a moment, but then afterwards they came out with a sequel slash semi soft reboot that was like literally got rid of the almost the entire main cast of the film, and they literally killed the main character of the original GI Joe, and which is ironically a copycat of what they tried to do in the Transformers in the eighties with their cartoon movie, and then they literally just introduced this new movie with new cast members and like the thing is the stakes were high in the film, but like there was no stakes at all like. Corp- the bad guys took over. They had to unravel that and take it, defeat them and stuff like that. And you know, not even Dwayne Johnson or Bruce Willis could save the franchise at this time. It was just – it was so over the top, so random. The visuals were – oh, my goodness gracious. That eventually when the movie came out, it did not do so hot in box office. And eventually Paramount decided to reboot it, which honestly I recommend, though it's not a perfect movie, a much better G.I. Joe film of the Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins. Highly recommend, by the way, still in theaters. Um – but no, it's just, there's always these terrible ones, but these are all aspects of the terrible reboots and remakes that they have been coming out with these past few years. However, shockingly, there have been very many good reboots out there, more than we could honestly imagine. One aspect that I would say, talk about is um, Turner and Hooch. For those who are about my age, tw- 22 or younger, you're probably like, what the freak is Turner and Hooch? Turner and Hooch is an old 1980s movie that I discovered on Disney Plus, uh, starring Tom Hanks, about him being a detective named Turner who adopts this dog named Hooch after trying to solve a murder that the dog was involved with because the dog saw the murder of his owner, and they're trying to solve this mystery. It's an exciting action pick, action comedy clip, flick. It's a really funny film. Obviously, there's a few complaints I would make in that film, but uh, the movie was good. It was really entertaining, and Disney decided, alongside all their other projects they're doing, especially for Disney+, Plus, to reboot the series, to reboot the, the film and actually turn it into a television series. Matt Nix, the creator, the developer of the show, ironically, who's also well-known for creating the television series Burn Notice and Gotham, um, developed the series, and honestly, from what I have seen so far, it has been one of the best reboot series I've ever seen. Honestly, because not only is it a reboot, but it also serves as a sequel to the original Turin Hooch movie starring Tom Hanks. But this one, though, is centers on his son, Scott Turner Jr., played by, if you would believe it or not, Josh Peck from Drake and Josh fame. And he is the one who has to deal with another dog that's just like Tur- just like Hooch. The series itself is a very well-contrived plot. It's very funny. It's very well... Well achieved. They even created their own Die Hard parody, which is great. And uh, they literally tried so. They literally done a great job, and they even set up a possible storyline as well. They even brought back one of the stars from the original movie to tie into the series as, as well. The only and they even have an intriguing plot that his dad might have been murdered. Spoiler territory. Sorry, um, but no, that was just one other concept they that they have done so far. And another series that they've done well of rebooting is the Mighty Ducks, because they have a series called the Mighty Ducks Game Changers on Disney Plus. That is officially a sequel to the original trilogy, 
but also does a very good job of reintroducing new characters and reintroducing the spirit of what the Mighty Ducks are. They even brought back the main character, played by Emilio Estevez, to play in the main role. And there are even other... Um, uh, they even brought back a few other guest stars as well from the original films that made it all the more fun. Also, all those people who grew up in the 90s, early 2000s going, Yes! And, uh, no, that series also does a great job of centering around the Mighty Ducks while also giving out a, a new story to tell about it, especially for the current generation that is living. But, no, there are re good reboots out there, alongside terrible ones. But, uh, well, all right, so we got through terrible. We got through good. Why, do you know any other good ones you think of or any mediocre ones? Um... There are ones I can think of, but ones I don't know well enough. One of the ones I thought about talking about was how they always like feel like they're rebooting Godzilla. But <laughs> actually, I can talk about one reboot of it that's terrible that I've seen. So you remember how I watched those three Godzilla films on Netflix? Yeah. I said, I thought the first one was good. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought it was, okay, this is a decent beginning. This, this has potential. I, I love the ending. Basically, the Godzilla they killed in that one was a, was like what you would see in like uh, King of the Monsters or what Legendary is doing. Yeah. But this Godzilla, they they just killed like a young Godzilla, kind of like a child. Yeah. The real Godzilla that originally attacked the humans like thousands of years ago when Earth was still inhabited by humans, actually like grew into the size of a mountain. And I thought that was... You're good. I thought that was freaking awesome. I'm like, yes, Godzilla's the size of a mountain. <laughs> I, I honestly just love the idea of Godzilla just being so huge, he, you literally can't do much to hurt him. Then, right. then the second... So the first one was just called... Um, I for, ah, dang it, I forgot the title of the first one. Like, uh, Planet of the Monster... Planet of the Monsters, like, basically. From an idea, yeah, Netflix, yeah. yeah. And then the second one they made of it was uh, Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle. Basically, and it was really weird, Mechagodzilla apparently turned itself into a whole city over 20,000 years. I'm just really confused. <laughs> I, I was just so I'm like, okay, this is a thing. I don't know what to... Do this makes no sense even in the realm of sci-fi, right? But I'm like, okay, let's see where this goes. And I thought it was pretty good, except for the Mechagodzilla part, and also how literally the main character and his decide. There's, mm. There's so much wrong and right with that film. I just. It, it, it kills me. Were you going to say disciples? No, not disciples. Oh, okay. The main character will, like... So, some of them decide to build an arsenal to face the large Godzilla with Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. And it was... And basically, some of them merged... Some of the humans merged with Mecha Godzilla, and I'm like, okay, this is just getting weird, and it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Merged into what? I still tried to be gracious with it, but at that point, they were pushing it. They were yeah. really pushing it. Yeah. Um, They don't defeat Godzilla in that one. For one, I don't think it would have mattered even if they tried. But the main character betrayed the humans who were basically removing the humanity because they were trying to merge with Mechagodzilla, but he refused and he destroyed them. And then there was debate over the ship over earth that whether or not the main character should be charged with mutiny or you know be given like a court martial or whatever yeah 
And they never solved that debate. Some of them tried to take over the ship by stopping the engines. So there was mutiny on the ship. And then Ghidorah comes in the scene. No, no surprise. Right. And basically, they have these alien... The humans have these alien priests with them who tell them, you know, put your faith in God, but God is actually Ghidorah. And I'm just... I'm just so confused. I'm like, you do not deserve any of my graciousness now. You are just going into the rails of trash and crap. I can't even understand what you're trying to do here. So basically, in this version, Ghidorah is an interdimensional being, which is an interesting concept, except they call him God, and I don't like that. It's also really weird, and if Godzilla can't damage him, because literally, he shoots his beam at, at Ghidorah, and it literally just swerves. Because since ah. Ghidorah is an interdimensional being, he doesn't have to, his. He does the way he moves. The physics just don't apply to the physics of yeah. our universe. But yeah. oh gosh, it's so confusing and not well explained. Right. Yeah, I I just don't. I really don't know what to think of the third one. I just that's a five out of ten for me. I can't go any higher. And that film is really that bad. And honestly, the second one, it had they done better with the third one, I maybe would have given it more grace. But it, yeah, gosh, the second one just kind of threw off the rails. What about um, uh, Matthew Broderick Godzilla two thousand? Oh, I've watched that. It's actually no way. It's nineteen ninety eight actually. Oh, ninety eight. Oh, okay. Yes. There, folks. Sorry about that. Yeah, there was a Godzilla from nineteen ninety eight that America tried to do. It, it was it was kind of funny to watch, just because some of the plots just did, made no sense. I mean, it was it was just nitpicky things, really. I think the effects were good for the time, but basically, Godzilla, same story of being born from human uh, nuclear testings, or you know, that's what created him in the original fifties film. Um, but this Godzilla was a creature, and there are plants. And animals that are asexual. Basically, it just means they can self-reproduce. Yeah. So, this Godzilla can self-reproduce, but it could not breathe atomic breath. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that pisses me off. It didn't look like a dinosaur or something, too. It just looked like a giant dinosaur, giant T-Rex. What the heck? <laughs> I mean, I know that's kind of what Godzilla... No, Godzilla's not that. Godzilla's he... a lizard. A Godzilla's lizard. just a giant lizard, but he was... in this film, he was just a giant... Larger version of a T-Rex. Yep. And basically, and basically the plot was, if we don't stop them from hatching or destroy them all, they're going to repopulate the Earth and become the new dominant species. Somehow they hacked into a TV and got that on the news. Ha! So the military sent something in and whatnot, and Matthew Broderick's character has an old girlfriend who didn't say yes to marrying him. Well, she didn't say no, but she hesitated and she was afraid. Mm. She's not a go-getter, but she learns to be a go-getter. And then the movie ends with, you get it, one egg was left alive. Happened to be left alive. So Godzilla's gonna destroy the Earth. No, I'm kidding. They never followed up with a sequel because that film, while it bombed in terms of reception, it got quite a bit of box office money, though, at least. So it cost $170 million to make the film. And it, and it got upwards of like three hundred seventy million well, at the bad. box office, which is not bad. But if you're thinking of terms of like film, you want to at least make the amount spent 
or I think actually double of what you spent on the film in order to actually like really make profit. Yeah. Which I guess they kind of did, but because of its bad reception, they of course didn't make another one like it. However, it did have a really good poster of Godzilla's eyes. So, and that was actually hinted at in um, Godzilla versus Kong when Mecha Godzilla is about to destroy him, and God, yeah. and they focus on Godzilla's eye. That was yeah. based on the original '98 poster. Nice. So yeah, that one. That was a. Those are a couple of Godzilla reboots that are really bad, and I honestly love the legendary Godzilla, right? Uh, films. I I think they're pretty good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, gee, yeah. No, yeah. it's just but then there's always the debate you and I have with the MonsterVerse movies. <laughs> yeah, we're we're. Eh. I mean, the Fast and Furious is not a reboot, so we can't talk about it. No, we can't talk about it. It's, it's always hilarious. You know I still enjoy it, but you know... We all, gonna... we also, I also can't talk about any other re- Godzilla reboots compared to the old ones, at least, no. because I haven't seen those. I would right. really like to watch the original 50s, because I think that would be good. Right. Oh, yeah. With the interesting claymation stop motion. I actually have seen, um, mo- I think, a good portion of Godzilla vs. Destoroya. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. It was like... It was this one movie movie director's like final Godzilla film, and yeah. he wanted to go out with a bang. Oh yeah! Essentially, that enemy that Godzilla faced was his toughest ever, and he barely beat him. Yeah. And he has not been brought back in another film, and he was created by an oxygen destroying weapon, which was in King of the Monsters. I don't know if they'll actually try to bring back that. that monster back, that just because cool. it was such a unique film, at least a unique monster for godzilla to face so we'll see what happens i think the monster verse is going to continue because godzilla versus kong did really well so i think the contract will be extended um what about the the king kong reboot 2005 yeah so i watched the king kong reboot and i can only compare it to the uh, 2014 kong skull island which is fine oh have you not watched the original yet no no i I do have it on dvd i just haven't watched it ah yeah um between those two, I have to pick Kong Skull Island because I prefer the action packed. Yeah. The I prefer the action in that film versus the 2005, which was basically just a modern version of the original. Which is what, what made it great too. Oh right, it was good, it, without a doubt. And Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson, did a great job. It's just. Comparing the two, I prefer the style of the 2014 one. Oh, yeah. It has nothing to do with the CGI. And the CGI, most of the time, is actually pretty impressive. Which is even more hilarious than Sandy Circus, the actor who did a lot of Peter Jackson's movies, played also King Kong, but also right. Caesar in the King Kong. It's King funny Kong. also because it was doing Gollum for Andy Circus, doing yeah. Gollum, King Kong. He was the motion capture for yep. King Kong. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then that eventually got him into the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, Caesar. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It, yeah. As Caesar, yeah. So it was. it's kind of funny where it led Andy Serkis. Plus, he was also a motion capture for playing Snoke. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's all... And, yeah, anyways, yeah. And he's doing some other fun projects, which I can talk about later. But he's also doing them... Um, one last mention, he's also directing the new Venom movie, which makes you super excited. Yeah, I but, saw the I saw the trailer. It looks pretty good. I know, right? Anyways, that's just teaser for you guys if you ever want to look at it. But, um, yeah, uh, is that is that all? Anything else you can think of? One thing I forgot to mention, I was going to mention okay. earlier, but I didn't. Was Transformers? Right. Transformers. I for if you were if you were a kid in two thousand seven, Transformers was the movie to go see in theaters. Oh yeah, because they were 
Big robots destroying big the city. Big robots. They were the best thing in the whole wide world. They're destroying other big robots. Exactly. And also just to, for the fun of it, because I watched the old cartoon when I was, I think in my mid-teens, Transformers, robots in disguise. Okay, thank you. That was all I needed to do. <clears throat> the nerd to me. Anyways, but um, Transformers, the original film, directed by Michael Bay, so explosions galore. Um, it is, honestly, Transformers was one of the best movies they made in the franchise because it was just, it was a well-developed story. The visuals were really good. And honestly, his explosions were not too bad in this movie. Second one, honestly, was a sequel I thought that built up from its predecessor as well as, like, building upon itself. That made it much more exciting, more more dramatic. I thought it was a better, more story development, especially when everybody was, especially when the big teaser was the return of Megatron <laughs> and everything else. And, uh, again, the story seemed more developed. The third one came in, which is kind of a wrap-up of a trilogy of sorts. And, honestly, it was a good wrap-up of a trilogy. However, I didn't think it had the same oomph as the first two did because it kind of, though it had a good story, this got entered some elements that just felt out of place compared to the first two movies. The third one had less action, but, yeah. honestly, I thought the story was a huge improvement. I would severely disagree a little bit. I mean, the story was good, but just... Certain aspects just fell a little off. I mean, it was a good conclusion to the trilogy itself. What fell off to you? For one thing, I guess I wasn't a fan of the new love interest. I was not a fan of her. The blonde, you know, that was drunk. I preferred was, her over Megan Fox. I'd rather she preferred Megan Fox, honestly, because I thought she had better character development. But, um... Oh, fair. But, honestly, there's the plot-wise, though it had some epic scenes. I mean, some of the sequences were gorgeous to watch. Yeah. Especially with the thing... I, think, like, I also love how it's building. Optimus Prime versus Sentinel Prime. I know. Who is that, also voiced by Larry Nemo, which is hilarious. And the music when Optimus Prime just comes down, swoops in, just slices a bunch of Decepticons. Yeah. It's so good. No, it's a good It's a good conclusion. I'll give you that. But it just to me, it wasn't as good as the first two. But uh, anyways, the thing was, I thought that that was the conclusion to Transformers. I thought the second one was a bit overdone. I used to really just Like you but... overcook your meat. I know. I really think it was overcooked. I mean, it was adequate for what it was. I just, like... This film was all just... It, it's just my, it's Michael Bay being too much Michael Bay. I thought number three, honestly, was a bit overcooked, personally. But that's my opinion. Yeah. But... I, there, was a, there was a funny trailer that someone made. It's just a parody of the movie Up. It's like, if Michael Bay directed yeah, yeah, Up. Yeah, yeah. It's, re- <laughs> it's really funny. It's just, a lot of explosions, we'll just say. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, God. But no, I'm, uh, you know, 3 was a decent conclusion. But I'm, uh, and then we're not going to talk about 4 and 5 because those just went off kilter. Well, that's where I had to start off. That's where I was talking about this whole reboot thing because yeah. 4 was a reboot to the original trilogy itself. Oh, come on. No, it was. Seriously. Like, they redid the characters. They introduced a brand new story and stuff like that. That was stupid. It was, yes, because they literally resurrected Megatron in a different body. And, and then the fifth one, he was there. Honestly, the fourth movie itself... Oh, I know, right? Honestly, the fourth movie itself was pure chaos. Because there is too many... If you thought... If you if I thought number three was overcooked and you thought number two was number, overcooked, number four was the most oh, overcooked because yes. there were so many things going on in this one movie and they were trying to build up so many franchise things with it. It did not go well. I mean, kudos to Mark Wahlberg and the human characters. They were some decent characters to use, but it was still a bit overdone because there was like going quickly over here, going over there. And like the big tease they were getting so excited for was the dinosaurs. And they were oh, epic yeah. to watch, but they're only in there with like seven minutes. Tops. Oh, they're bar- they they were only in the third act of the film, and that was it. And again, Megatron came back again, which I felt was super irritating. Yeah, 
And the only thing I felt like that annoyed me the most about this movie too was that I ignored all the, the stuff that we had in the first three films with Sam and Wiki and all those characters. Yeah. Wiki. 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 But then um, number five came out, and yes, it is so ridiculous. But I'm not going to lie. I had the mo- I had very much fun with that movie because they literally tied in with King Arthur, and I thought that I was thought so that, genius. I thought that was cool, but honestly, like, I actually haven't seen it, so... I, I'm not a, a good judge it's, for it. It's not a movie where you want to watch or you just like your love. Like the story, it's it's a fun story, but it's not a story that you're like, oh, I want to like, I want to, um, um, I want something that is heartbreaking and logical and everything else. If you think Fast and Furious is not logical, which it isn't, um, you this is not logical at all. Like, and they again they fast forward years later, showing in plot elements that. We don't even know how that happened, but then they just got rid of it, and it just—it was this big explosion of everything else, and it just—I felt like it was just a huge problem. But I really enjoyed the film because of the mythology they included into it. And True. I mean, come on, Anthony Hopkins with Transformers. I mean, come on, that's just too much fun. That is—that is really cool. <laughs> and yeah, and then there's just other fun. They brought back a few fun characters and stuff as well from the original movies. They even had a Samway Wiki Easter egg, which I thought was great. And um, it just they um, it wasn't the best movie in the world, but it was far better than the fourth movie. Then they rebooted with Bumblebee. I never saw it personally, but I um, heard a uh, audience reacted really positively. Oh no, that movie is honestly the best reviewed Transformers movie out there, especially if critics were shocking the heck out of me. Oh yeah, because um, none of them had ever gotten that high approval rating. <laughs> um, but they also <laughs> based the design of those Transformers off the original eighties, which yeah, I think helped. That's what invested the characters more into this into this movie. Yeah, and um, uh, I they even just they did a much better job with that. But honestly, though, I'd rather prefer the Michael Bay movies compared to the Transformers the movie in the eighties. Because that movie, remember how I told you Duke gets killed in the second G.I. Joe film? Yeah. They killed Optimus Prime and all the other main character Transformers and replaced them with other Transformers. And there was no resurrection like in Revenge of the Fallen. Like they, he's just dead. He's oh, dead. They're that's not, stupid. Oh, yeah. Fans hated it. They were up. There was uproar. Like the original uproar I could imagine. Fans. You don't kill Optimus Prime. No, they Unless were, you're resurrecting him later. Yeah. And no, they did it this time and he stayed dead. <laughs> Basically, the Decepticons won and stuff what? until the new heroes came in to take him down and stuff in that one single movie. Oh. And that's just even hilarious, too, since Optimus Prime was front and center on the freaking movie poster. Right. <laughs> no, it just, yeah, it just, the Transformer franchise is super insane, but I think what Paramount's doing with their origins with Bumblebee and Snake Eyes is I, I like the fact that they're actually going with an origin where they're containing the story, not making this all out boom, spectacle. Yeah. And they're just keeping it contained for a small little story that can actually have good character development and good investment in what yeah. is developing. Yeah. Um, there was actually a reboot I want to talk about that's upcoming. There is a reboot that's upcoming that I want to talk about. So I think we'll we'll keep it shorter here. We're going to end it pretty soon here. Um, yeah. The, the reboot I'm looking forward to, and actually kind of is interesting that will be coming next year. It was originally planned for this year. But it actually works for next year because then it will be 10 years since we've had a Batman film from The Dark Knight Rises in 2012. Yeah. Uh, we will be seeing Robert Pattinson uh, become The Dark Knight, which honestly I think I'm really excited for. Christian Bale even himself said when he heard the news, he's like, oh, he's a great choice. He just needs to do it himself. And he's even said, like, look at Heath Ledger as Joker. A lot of people were critical of that, and yet he won uh, Best Supporting Oscar 
Best Supporting yeah. Actor Oscar for it. Yeah. So, I think I honestly think it's going to be good. I just hope WB doesn't interfere in it too much. Matt Reeves is directing it, which to me is I think he's a good choice because he did out of the three Planet of the Apes films, he did the second two, and I prefer those two over the first one. Yeah. Uh, not that the first one was bad in any measure, but the, did he write all three movies? Um, he. He actually might have. I would have to double check that. But yeah, yeah, he directed, for sure directed the latter two. And he may have written all three, but I don't. Yeah. yeah. But, so that film I'm looking forward to. Ten years since we've had a Batman film. Honestly, it's kind of... More or less. I'd argue on that one. More or less. Wait, what's another Batman film? Be- Batman vs. Superman. Oh, wait, yeah. Justice League. <laughs> Justice League. Um, True. Yeah. They're also going to do a Batman film with Ben Affleck, but... You know, yeah, which I'm still upset they canceled. I know on that one. I thought I thought it would have been good. It would have yeah. justified like, yes, Ben Affleck can be a good Batman. And yeah, honestly, I didn't think he was a bad Batman. Neither did I. Or I a bad I, choice. I thought he was a good choice for Bruce Wayne Batman. Honestly, and they were gonna bring in Deathstroke, which I got super excited because he's one of the best anti-hero villains ever. Oh yeah, and they canceled the freaking movie. And I am so still torqued about that. Yeah, the the like, well, you're excited for that movie, and I'm sure it'll be a good one. But I'm honestly, and since they're replacing him with another bat, different actor. I'm getting Batman fatigue here. I'm just... Oh, yeah. I just... I know it looks That's like a good That's a good way movie. to describe it. Batman fatigue. I'm just getting Batman fatigue. Because, like, Christian Bale to me will always be the epitome for Batman. Oh, yeah. Always. And then... And then we got Batman Affleck. And now people are saying we got James... Not James Patterson. That's the author. Um, uh, Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Thank you. Um, and and then we got um, also... It just... It feels like it just... It's, again, it's just going through that cycle of more actors playing Batman. And no offense. I love Batman. I've seen the origin story way too many times, and it just gets tiresome. But um, the only other thing I'm excited for though is the Flash movie because they're gonna ha- bring back Michael Keaton's Batman. They're gonna bring back Michael Keaton's Batman and stuff, which I'm super excited for. So yeah, that'll be interesting because he's my second favorite Batman. Right. So. Anyways, um, I think that covers up our topic for the night. Um, we thank you all for joining in with us, and we will get back to War of Aging Twelve and more historical topics here in the days to come. And we hope you enjoyed this. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, please respond to our uh, home pit webpage at the um, social media page at the Instagram yep. app website. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Have a great day.